0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Read by Elizabeth Wilcox. The Outdoor Girls of Deepdale are camping and tramping for fun and for health by Laura Lee Hope. Chapter 2: The Tramping Club. With staring eyes and with breasts that were laboured, the three chums gathered about Betty She held the bill, and the paper pinned to it stretched tightly between her slim fingers. "'Is it—is it real?' gasped Grace. "'Of course it's real,' declared Amy. "'How do you know?' asked Molly. "'I confess I never saw a five-hundred-dollar bill all at once before.' "'Did you see it in pieces?' asked Grace. "'What a lot of money!' "'How many pounds of chocolate would it buy?' asked Amy with a laugh. "'Don't you dare say chocolate to me,' commanded Grace. "'It is real,' went on Betty who had not spoken since picking up the money, there's no doubt of it. If findings were keepings, you'd be well off, said Molly. How lucky you are, and sighed. Of course I can't keep it, declared Betty, but I wonder who could have dropped it. And she looked up at the railroad bridge over their heads, as if she might see someone standing there waiting for the return of the bill. What is that paper pinned to it? asked Grace, as she took hold of it, while Betty held a blank note by the two ends. "'That's so. I forgot to look at that,' said the finder. She turned it over. There was some writing on it. It said, "'This is my last five hundred dollar bill, all that is left of my fortune. This is to remind me that if I don't make good use of this, I don't deserve any more luck. It is make or break with me now. Which will it be?' The girls were silent for a moment or two after reading this strange message that had come to them in such a queer manner. Then Betty said, "'Girls!' What do you make of it it's a joke declared grace it sounds far from being a joke spoke betty seriously girls there may be a grim tragedy here how romantic sighed molly what shall we do with the money "We must take it home and consult our folks about it declared betty i'll ask papa and you might refer the question to yours amy being a broker he's quite likely to know about such things and can tell us what to do That is quite a lot of money to lose i wonder how we can find the owner advertise maybe there'll be a notice in the post office it can't have been here very long perhaps we'll meet whoever it belongs to coming back to look for it spoke grace thus came some opinions and while various others were rapidly formed and expressed and as the girls are speculating on how the bill and the attached paper came to lie so openly on the highway I hope I may be permitted to insert here a little descriptive matter that will perhaps give the reader a clearer understanding of the characters of this story. And as Betty Nelson had, by right of more than one informal conquest, reached the position of leader, I can do no better than to begin with her. Betty was about sixteen years old. She was not exactly what one would call pretty, that is, at first glance. More likely, she would have been spoken of as good-looking at least by the boys, and certainly Betty was good to look upon. Her face showed her character. There was a calm thoughtfulness about it that suggested strength of mind, and yet it was not the type of face called strong. It was purely girlish, and it reflected her bright and vivacious manner perfectly. How her features lighted up when she spoke or listened, her friends well knew. Her eyes seemed always to be dancing with fun, yet they could look calmly at trouble too and when betty nelson looked at trouble that same trouble seemed to melt away to flee as though it had no right to exist and this not only as regarded her own troubles but those of her friends as well intensely practical was betty yet there was a shade of romance in her character that few suspected perhaps the other girls had so often taken their little troubles to betty listening to her advice and sympathy that they forgot that she might have some of her own but under it all betty had a romantic nature that needed but a certain influence to bring it out full of life and vigor she was always ready to assume the leadership in whatever fun or work was at hand perhaps that is why she was often called the little captain and certainly she deserved the name her father charles nelson was a wealthy carpet manufacturer his factory being just outside of Deepdale, and her mother, Rose, was one of the society leaders of the town, though there was no elaborate social system. A regular Gibson girl was Grace Ford, not only in form but in face. There was that well-rounded chin and the neck on which was poised a head with a wonderful wealth of light hair. The other girls rather envied Grace her hair, especially Molly, who was a decided brunette and as i have said grace dressed to advantage there had been a time when she bemoaned the fact that she was tall regular bean-pull her brother had taunted her with being and grace well she had slapped him but this was some years ago but now with the newer styles that seemed to forbid the existence of hips and with skirts that so circumscribed the steps that fast walking is impossible grace fitted in perfectly she was artistically tall and slender which fact none knew better than herself but Grace was not vain. She did pose at times, but it was done naturally and without undue thought. She just could not help it. Her brother Will made no end of fun about her, even at this date, but Grace had sufficient composure to ignore him. Now, and only smiled sweetly, remarking, You only show how little you know, Billy boy. Run along now and play ball. Then Will, trying to think of some cutting thing to say, would hasten to join his boozing friend Frank Haley, perhaps remarking as they tramped off, if i can understand girls anyway why what's up oh grace is such a primper she's got a new dress and some sort of fancy dingus on it doesn't mix in right she says it makes her too stout and she's going to have it changed Mm, i think your sister is a mighty stunning looking girl i'll tell her you said so if you do i'll rub your nose in the mud and then as they thought philosophizing further on the weirdness of girls in general the boys departed to the ball field Father of Grace and Will Ford was a lawyer with more than a local reputation. He was often called on to handle big cases of statewide interest, and he had made a modest fortune in the practice of his profession. Of Molly Bellette, Billy to her chums, I hardly know what to say. Age fifteen, the daughter of a well to do widow, Mrs. Pauline Bellette, Molly seemed older than either Betty or Grace, though she was a year younger yet she did not assume anything by herself by reason of this seeming difference in age, and the difference was only seeming. Perhaps it was that bit of French blood making her so quick-tempered, so vivacious, so mature-appearing, that counted for it, and it was very likely that same French blood that gave her a temper which was not to be admired, and which Molly tried so hard to conquer. But her friends knew her failing, and readily forgave her. Besides, Molly, there was comical twins dora never called anything but dodo and paul aged four they were always getting into mischief and out again and were just too sweet and dear for anything as betty put it betty being an only child rather hungered for brothers and sisters and now we come to amy stonington poor amy there is something of a mystery about her She realized something of it herself when she was old enough to know that she was not in physical characteristics at all like her parents—at least she regarded Mr. and Mrs. John Stonington as her parents. And yet she could not understand why she was more like them in type, nor why, of late, she had often come upon them talking earnestly together, which talk ceased as soon as she entered the room, in consequence of which Amy was not very happy these days. Yet the most that she feared was that her parents were mapping out a career for her. She was talented in music, playing the piano with a technique and fire that few girls of her age could equal. More than once, after a simple concert in the high school at which she played, teachers had urged Mr. and Mrs. Sonington to send her to some well-known teacher, or even abroad to study. If that's what they're planning, I just won't go, said Amy to herself, after one of those queer confidences that she had broken up. "'I'd die of loneliness if they sent me away. "'So much for our four girls. "'Dear Deepdale, the girls always called it Dear Deepdale. "'They always spoke affectionately of their home town, "'the only residence-place if any of them had ever really known, "'for though some of them have lived as children in other places, "'their years, since they were old enough to appreciate localities, "'have been spent in Deepdale. "'And certainly it was a town of much natural beauty, "'to which a certain amount of civic pride added.' had made for a local enjoyment in parks memorials and statues though there were only about fifteen thousand residents there was a spirit about deepdale that many a fair-sized city might have envied a spirit of progress deepdale was situated on the argano river which gave a natural advantage and provided a setting that could not be approved upon the stream ran around two sides of the place and the waters curling gracefully around a bend which had been laid out in a little pleasure park There were some who protested against this waste of good and valuable dockage facilities but the town committeemen wisely ignoring objections had at some cost acquired the land and made what was one of the prettiest spots for miles around nor was the river the only attractive bit of water about deepdale the stream emptied into rainbow lake some miles below the town and rainbow lake fully justified its name it was a favorite scene of canoeing and motorboat parties, and many summer residents dotted its shores. In summer, white tents of campers gleamed beneath the trees on its bank. Situated in the lake were a number of islands, also camping sites, and much frequented in summer by little parties of young people who landed there after a trip on the lake to rest in the shade of the leafy trees. TRIANGLE ISLAND so-called from its shore outline, was the largest of those that seemed floating on the lake like green jewels in the setting of silver. Several steamers of good size plied on the Argano River, one a freight and passenger boat belonging to a local line going as far as Clammerport at the foot of the lake. Often school society excursions were held, and the boys and girls made merry on the trip about deepdale were several thriving farming communities for the slightly rolling land was well suited to cultivation the town and the outlying farms filled a sort of valley girt about with hills of sufficient size and height to be called mountains at least by the local inhabitants who were proud of them there are valleys in these mountains some large and others merely glens though shadow valley one of the most beautiful was only of medium size. It was a favourite spot for excursionists, who wanted a change from the water route, there being a sort of summer resort and picnic-ground at one end of this valley. The other end was not so often visited. It had once formed the estate of a very wealthy man, who built a large mansion there. But on his death the property was contested for in the courts by several heirs, and for years had been tied up by legation, so the mansion became deserted. Of sufficient importance to have a railroad as well as steamer line deepdale was well provided with transportation facilities true the railway was only a branch one but it connected with the main road running to new york and this was enough for the people of deepdale the town also boasted of a paper the weekly banner and there was a good high and grammar school in town besides numerous stores and other establishments including a moving picture theatre this last rather an innovation "'Our girls—I shall call them ours, for it is with their fortunes that we shall be chiefly concerned. "'Our girls live near each other on the outskirts of the town.' "'Betty and her parents occupied an old-fashioned stone house that had once been the manor of a farm, "'but it was old-fashioned outwardly only, for within it was the embodiment of culture and comfort. "'It set well back from the street, and a lane of elms led from the front porch to thoroughfare.' Back of the house was an old-fashioned garden, likewise well-shaded, and the remains of an apple orchard, some of the trees still bearing fruit. On the other side of the street, and not far off, was a home of grace, a modern brick house of tasteful design. It had ample grounds about it, though being rather new, could not boast of such noble trees as those that added dignity to the old stone house. Amy Stonington lived in a large, rambling, wooden structure, too large for the needs of the family, but artistic nevertheless. It was just around the corner from the residence of Betty, and the yards of the two girls joined, if you call the big orchard of Betty's home a yard. Molly's home was near the river, about ten minutes' walk from that of the other three girls. It was a wooden house of dull red that mingled well in tone with the green grass and the spreading trees that surrounded us. Now I believe I have mentioned my principal characters and places, though others will be introduced to you from time to time as our story progresses. So on this pleasant spring day, for one of these few times, Amy was not brooding on the subject that had given her such uneasiness of late. Nor were the other girls concerned with anything, save the findings of the five hundred dollar bill, which absorbed everything else for the time being. "'Who could have lost it?' wondered Molly. "'There are too many persons in Deepdale who could afford to throw away money like this,' added Amy. "'It wasn't thrown away. It was lost,' declared Betty. "'And we must find the owner if we can.' "'Especially after such a pathetic message,' said Grace. "'Poor fellow, his last big bill!' "'What makes you think it was a man?' asked Amy. "'That isn't a girl's riding,' insisted Grace. "'Fine, you'll be a detective if you keep on. "'Or should I say a is?" asked Molly with a laugh wonder what that note means inquired molly why said betty it seems to indicate that some young man ran through a fortune or lost it and had only five hundred dollars left he was going to try to redeem his standing or wealth with this and probably wrote this to remind himself not to fail i used to have a habit of leaving my room untidy and daddy suggested once that i write a notice to myself and pin it where i would see it as i came out each morning i did and i cured myself this young fellow probably tried the same system what makes you think he is young? Grace wanted to know. I'm following your line of reasoning. No elderly man would do anything like this, write such a strange memorandum to himself. I'm sure he is young. And, and good looking, asked Amy, smiling. Let us hope so, if we return the money to him in person, suggested Molly. Well, the best thing to do is to put that in some secure place, Betty, advised Grace. Has your father a safe at home? "'Yes, let him keep it, and we can put an advertisement in the banner. "'Found, a sum of money. "'Owner can have same by providing property and paying for the advertisement. "'How is that?' "'Wouldn't you ask for a reward?' came from Molly. "'Idea, of course not.' "'But he might give us one,' suggested Amy, without being asked. "'Then talking excitedly about the fine, "'and speculating on how it could have come in the road, "'the girls accompanied Betty to her house.' Mrs. Nelson was duly astonished at the news, and agreed with the chumps that the best plan was that suggested by Grace. Accordingly, when Mr. Nelson came home, the bill and the queer attached note were put in his safe. Then an advertisement was telephoned to the paper. "'And now let's talk about our camping and tramping club,' proposed Betty, for her three chumps had called that evening after supper. "'I spoke to Mama about it,' said Molly. "'And she said she thought I could go. But we must stay with friends or relatives. At night she won't let me—' put up at a hotel? Of course not, cried Betty. None of us will. Now, my plan is this. Papa and Mama have a number of relatives living in distant towns, but all in this vicinity. Probably you girls have some also. Now, why couldn't we arrange a tour that would take us on a circuit, say, of two hundred miles? Two hundred miles, came in horrified chorus. Yes, that's not too much. We can take three weeks to it. "'And that's only a little over ten miles a day, not counting Sundays, of course. "'If we can't walk ten miles a day—' "'Oh, that's not so bad,' admitted Amy. "'I can easily do that,' assented Molly. "'What about our meals?' asked Grace. "'Can't you carry enough chocolate fudge to do between morning and evening?' asked Amy with a laugh. I've got that part all planned out, began Betty, or at least I have an idea about it. We can get breakfast and supper at our friends or relatives, and at noon we can go to restaurants or to houses along the way. Why, we can even take a little camping outfit with us and make coffee on the road, carrying sandwiches, too. Fine, cried Amy and Molly. Make chocolate, not coffee, begged Grace. Well, chocolate, then asserted Betty. I have a couple of ants somewhere out Bessingford Way," spoke Amy. "'And mamma has a cousin or two near Millford,' went on Grace. "'Now it's your turn, Molly,' said Betty. "'Oh, I have some woodpile of re- relations scattered about the country,' exclaimed the French girl, her eyes sparkling. "'I guess they would be glad to entertain us. "'And I can fill in this between-spaces with uncles and aunts and cousins, I think,' spoke Betty. "'Now let's make out a partial list.' "'Took some little time to do this, but it was finally accomplished.' Well, shall we decide on it, asked Betty after a pause. Shall we form the Deepdale Camping and Tramping Club? I move you, Miss Chairman, that we do, exclaimed Grace. The sooner the better. Second the motion came laughingly from Molly. All in favor? Aye, came in joyous chorus, and the little club was thus quickly formed. End of chapter two